Hello and welcome to Battlefield Next. My name is Major Jason Coffey. Before we get started with this episode, let's do some housekeeping. The views expressed on the podcast are the views of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School, the U.S. Army, the Department of Defense, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Today's episode is an interview of Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Franca, a U.S. Army Judge Advocate currently embedded as an exchange officer with the British Army Forces in Andover, United Kingdom. On today's episode, Lieutenant Colonel Franca and I discuss his background, his current position and duties, the practical application of interoperability, and his role in furthering interoperability. This episode was recorded virtually, and we had internet connection issues during the recording, which affected the audio. And now, without further delay, here's the interview with Lieutenant Colonel Franca. Good morning. We're here with Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Franca. Good morning, sir, and welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited about this. As far as my background, I got into the JAG Corps as a direct appointee in 2005. Prior to that, I achieved my Juris Doctorate from Wayne State University Law School in Detroit, Michigan, and went to college at uh, McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. Throughout my career at Corps, I've you know, had the standard litany of jobs uh, that I'm sure no one really wants to know about. Uh, suffice to say, I've touched on about every portfolio of work that the JAG Corps has to offer, uh, anywhere from client services to crim law to op law and back. And so in my current position, I feel like that wealth of experience has uh, served me well. Sir, what is your current position and what do you actually do? So... In my current job, I'm an exchange officer embedded with the UK British Army Forces at the four-star level. I am at the Army headquarters in Andover, which is about an hour's drive west of London. In this job, my British Army title is SO1 Legal, Op Law, Policy, Doctrine, and Interoperability. It's kind of a mouthful, but really what it means is I act as an XO for a one-star British Army officer who is the head of operational law. And then I kind of act as a catch-all, a jack-of-all-trades, if you will, uh, for the British Army op law policy and advancement of kind of their initiatives in that space. And sir, how did you end up in this position? Pure luck. So in my last job, I was a plans officer at PPTO at the Pentagon. And coming out of that job, you know, going through the normal assignment cycle, got the list of jobs and I kind of went through it and I was surprised to see that there was a job in the UK. Being a closet Anglophile, I was really excited about this opportunity. And so I looked a little bit more into it. My predecessor in the job was Lieutenant Colonel Justin Marchese, who is now at the JAG school. So I reached out to him and started asking some questions about it. And enthusiasm really bled over into into my wanting to go after this position. And and so for your luck, working at EPTO, I was fortunate enough to be slotted into it. I I hadn't been eyeballing this job for for many years previously or anything like that. It was was just pure luck and pure uh, circumstance. And sir, what is the practical application of interoperability in your position? No, that's a great question, Jason. Um, Interoperability, Jason, I think there is some danger 
when you hear the term interoperability. And what I mean by that is that we've all heard of buzzword bingo. And I think that interoperability is one of those terms that is kind of hard to nail down. But ultimately, interoperability is important because we're required to consider it. We're required to consider it under national strategy. We're required to consider it under Army Regulation 34, TAC 1. And similarly, the British are required to consider it under their Army Command Standing Order 7301. The practical application is that we don't fight wars alone. We, we do this in a national construct. And in order to be effective, in order to be ready to fight tonight or tomorrow, in order to be integrated, we have to go through the growing pains of becoming interoperable. Uh, and, and, and it's a complex issue. You see a lot of explanation uh, on interoperability. You'll see the words human, procedural, technical. You'll see the words acting coherently, effectively, and efficiently. But at the end of the day, what does all that mean? To me, it means learning, sharing, and coordinating. We can't work together if we don't understand each other. We can't understand each other if we don't get to know each other. And how do we do that? Well, we have to share information. We have to share experiences. Uh, we have to seek out opportunity together and talk. By doing so, I think we build up that familiarity so that when we're in a situation uh, that requires us to focus on war fighting, we are that much more comfortable working with our allies and partners and we're speaking a common language. To me, that's what interoperability really means, is a shared understanding and developing that so that we can be ready to fight together. And sir, what are you doing in your current role to further interoperability? Right, so in this job, one of the most important things that I do is coordinate between my boss, the British One Star head of op law, his boss, the director of Army Legal Services, which is the British Army's TJAG equivalent, as well as back to the United States with the current commanding general of the LCS, soon to be DJAG, Brigadier General Berger, uh, and working very closely with Andy Farquhar uh, at the school, who is now the deputy director of the LCS. The reason that's important is because these engagements and this coordination shares that information across the strategic space so that the strategic leaders can provide their implementing guidance down to the formations. Additionally, aside from being kind of an XO uh, in coordinating that information, I work a lot on the British Army's development of training, doctrine, policy as well. And so bringing the US perspective to the formation of British policy and doctrine, I think, helps to make those connections between our forces stronger because essentially what you're talking about then is having a voice in the formation of so in providing a u.s perspective in the formation of british policy and doctrine what you're essentially doing is bringing a u.s voice and as you can imagine 
that makes the sharing of information, the understanding of terminology a bit easier. Finally, I would say that the British Army will rely upon me, at least the Army Legal Services in my position, they will rely upon me to provide them a subject matter expertise on the JAG Corps Army structure so that they can improve their own strategic understanding of how the US Army works. All of those things, uh, as we discussed, help the people that I'm on a regular basis understand the US and the US Army, how they do business, so that when they get into those situations where they are dealing with other US officers, they have a certain level of familiarity which makes their interactions with each other more efficient and more effective. Sir, is your position the only one, the only exchange position in the UK? No. So for the JAG Corps, there is a new exchange officer position for majors, for a field grade officer at the major level. It is embedded with the three UK division, which is the premier fighting formation, forces fighting formation for the British Army. That position is currently filled by Major Garrison Grow, so he is conducting the first turn of the handle, and it's, it's an amazing position. Garrison is not only looking at operational law matters, for example, traveling with 3UK Div to Fort Hood in the execution of Warfighter recently, but he is also part of their team. We wear the the British Army's patch. So I wear the Army headquarters and Garrison wears three UK div on his shoulder. And Garrison's position at the three UK div is not a position that is exclusively focused on operational law, which is fascinating. He is also working on admin and civil law. He is working on investigations for the three UK division. And he asked as a member of the team to apply and implement UK law policy and regulation. So he is actually getting a broader experience with military law at the three UK div than for example, my position, which is kind of honed in on operational law policy and doctrine at the strategic level. In addition to Garrison's position at three UK div, Although not an exchange officer, there is another job here for U.S. Army judge advocates at the majors level, and that is at the NATO ARC, ARC being the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps, which is a land fighting force for NATO. It's housed here in the U.K. and currently filled by Major Joey Sepulvedo, who will be PCSing this summer, but it is another opportunity for U.S. Army judge advocates to embed, if you will, in a multinational organization and get that, ex that interoperability experience. The NATO ARC is also heavily influenced or staffed by other U.K. officers, so it, it's a real good microcosm of not only NATO, but of the bilateral importance of the U.S. and U.K. relationship. Well, sir, thank you for that overview. At the end of our podcast, we'd like to have our guests provide book and media recommendations. Do you have anything for us? I do. Thanks for asking. I actually 
thought long and hard about this. I will say that the first book that I would recommend is a fiction novel. It's Ghost Fleet. I'm sure everybody has already been told that they need to read this book. I was a, a non-believer, but then in a fit of inspiration, I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. It, it was fascinating. It's a very quick read. And I think that I was really interested in this book because of my current position. You know, we talk a lot about interoperability and we talk about op law, but at the end of the day, what our two forces are going through right now in terms of modernizing anybody at the strategic level that, um, that really, really should read this book. I mean, it, it <laughs> the application or, or the imagination that they use in this book in applying kind of emerging technology is entertaining, but you don't need strong imagination to understand just how close we are to some of these things, potentially for us facing some of these things in the real world. Drone swarms, AI, space ops. One thing that really blew my mind was the author's discussion about how corporate, global corporate influence on military operations could play a significant factor uh, in future conflicts. So yeah, it's just, it's just a really neat read. The second book I would commend to the audience is a history book. So nonfiction kind of goes in the direction. So we go from modernized forces and kind of to, to, to World War I. A book called A World Undone, The Story of the Great War, 1914 to 1918, authored by G.J. Meyer. I read this book twice, so it just kind of goes to show the kind of nerd I am. But um, it's a fascinating, I it up the first time, and I was just kind of blown away by how this author was able to contextualize and provide a lot of background for this immense conflict thought to be the last great war. What was really interesting was how the author illuminated certain facts for me, which kind of put World War I in a different perspective. And what I mean by that is, what were the strategic motivations for the engaging countries to kind of involve themselves in this conflict? And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's a little bit different from his perspective than what I think most people view as the purpose or the reason why four countries and states entered into World War One. So I would say that if you want kind of a, a nuanced take on World War One that is entertaining and is uh, not super heavy, not super dry, then take a look at this one. The third book I would commend is Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. This book is written by Simon Sinek, and it was published in October 2011. First, I'll say I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. I enjoy his TED Talks, and I follow him on LinkedIn. The reason I like Simon Sinek is, to me, uh, he has a way of explaining complex matters in a very easily digestible way. And I commend this book in particular because, personally, I have oftentimes struggled with the why things. The why, I think, keeps us honest. It motivates us. And I think understanding why we do things kind of tap into, in a more thoughtful way, uh, how we interact with our colleagues and how we can motivate others uh, to achieve shared understanding. So uh, it's a quick read. And I think it's, like I said, I, Simon Sinek is 
pretty intuitive. Now, I do have a plus one, and it's related to the why of things. I would strongly encourage people, judge advocates in particular, but really anybody in the armed forces, to go out and get themselves a pocket constitution. I have one. Uh, I carry it with me regularly. And I think that it's really important for obvious reasons. But if we're honest, how often do we actually engage with the Constitution, making that a regular occurrence? In this job, I I have pulled it out several times already just to kind of go back to our base document. Not only does it kind of form framework for our government, it forms the bedrock of our oath. It may sound corny, but I carry the Constitution around with me everywhere I go. I think that it's really important for us as lawyers, but as officers in the United States Army, to refamiliarize ourselves with the Constitution, the bedrock of our country. Sir, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, it's been a great talk. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I hope that people get value out of it. I hope that when folks listen, they get excited about interoperability and the opportunities that are out there. And I hope they seek them out because you don't have to be posted to a job with another country or in a multinational construct to advance interoperability. You just have to go find someone and have a chat. That's it for the episode. For more information related to FCD, you can follow us on Twitter at JAGFCD or by visiting our webpage. Finally, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. While this is a podcast created by U.S. Army Judge Advocates from the Future Concepts Directorate, our goal is to reach other judge advocates and lawyers across the DOD, law students, and members of academia. Your reviews help make this possible.